when you listen to Yvette Noel's short story coming from the tiny Caribbean island of Grenada and getting all the way to the top of the entertainment world, you understand why she sometimes has to pinch herself. Yvette, I got to thank you for coming. I'm so excited to be here. That's is fantastic to see you. Seriously. Uh, I, I am. Can I say you're my favorite? Well, you're my favorite. Okay. That's, that's a mutual favorite I'm kind just, of thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, too. <laughs> Do you have any idea how much you inspire people? Are you aware of that? Uh, not really. Not to really. To some extent, yes. I, Well, I've met um, young girls, particularly in the Caribbean, that would come up to me and say, I want to be a journalist, so I want to be a publicist, because that was the road you took. And I just remember when... I was home, I didn't even know what a publicist was. And so that's, 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 that's the kind of thing that makes you cry, you know, because I just sort of, I just go to work and try to feed my family and, <laughs> try to and do, your best. Do, do the best job I could yeah. and make sure the money's in the bank at the end of the month for the mortgage. But I, I think that um, <laughs> you have to be, you have to be aware after a number of years that there are people that are watching. And what does that mean to you when you hear that, when people come up to you and they're, you know, they're telling you your whole life story. They know where you were back yeah. then, Beyonce, Destiny's. They can go through the whole list. They know more about it than I do sometimes. But what, is that, what does that mean to you? <laughs> well, it means everything. I mean, honestly, it means everything. It, it means that um, what I do matters, not just that I am executing a plan for a client but that something in my work or sometimes even in the client's work resonate with them and um, they're able to see images uh, of themselves that they didn't think was possible I always say that we cannot all be Beyonce we don't all have that incredible talent but it's nice for young people, particularly young women and young women of color, to see that you could still have a successful career, even if you're not the one picking up the microphone. And then also that in the execution of that whole plan, there are lots of people behind. That's right. You're in all the pictures, by the way. I, I know. And I tried to duck. <laughs> you <laughs> I Google tried Beyonce. To duck. I tried to duck. Google Beyonce and you're in the pictures. And the faces I make, my children always... Um, Whenever there's a live red carpet, I get texts from my girls, Mika and Milan, and they will text me and say, fix your face, mommy, because they said that I get really protective and I put on my protective face sure. when Beyonce gets on the carpet. But when I was working John Legend and Beyonce together, they would always say to me, you look so happy with John. And I think it's because that when I started working with John Legend, who I don't represent anymore, we've remained friends, but when I started working with him, he was already an adult. And when I started working with Beyonce and all of the ladies of Destiny's Child, they were 14-year-old girls, and I had that protective so you're face like your on. Mom. Yeah, and it stayed, you know, because I was like, Miss Tina and Matthew Knowles, trust me to do the right thing, and I have to do the right thing. And that has never left me. Even a few weeks ago on um, the carpet for the Lion King premiere in Los Angeles, I had to kick myself because I felt my face tensing up. You and I was all like, serious? Yeah. Like, what are you protecting them from? What's going on? I think in These the very vultures beginning. vultures in the media? Well, there are vultures, but yeah. I think the, now that they're grown, they can handle that. But I feel like from the, be the very beginning, um, I just took very seriously the trust that their parents um, put in me. And I wanted to always do the right thing. And I also, I disdain people screaming at people on the red carpet. So I think that's where the protection came up because people would start screaming and they would not say, Destiny's child. They were saying, Beyonce, Latavia. They were like screaming at them and I would slightly turn around. Rude. Just slightly rude. Yeah. And I would turn around with this Caribbean woman's look like, if you even yell at them one more time you know and it just kind of <laughs> stayed with me and so, and so i have to get better this that face is horrible i have to get better it's a good that. thing your kids are on the case so they're watching oh they're all the time uh, all the time uh, yes speaking yes. of destiny's child yeah i'm reading that there's a big 2020 worldwide tour i'm reading it too you're Honestly, reading it maurice i said like, come on what is everybody talking you about you can't confirm this no no because i i can't confirm it because it's not true you seriously, no, seriously. it's not true it's I not mean, happening it's 
it's not happening. It might at, not happen. At least, well, I, I don't know if it's never, never, never going to happen, but I'm saying the news that came out the last couple of days, I, I had just gotten back from my vacation and was like, did something happen that I don't know about? No, it's not true. But really? I love that. Can, can I call time out here? <laughs> because you are famous for keeping secrets. I do. You I keep do. them from your husband. I do. When it comes to work. Oh, of I course. don't know about anything else. No, That's I tell him everything business. personal, but right. uh, when it comes to work, he knows nothing. Right. But, yeah. but there was an album that came out that nobody knew about. Not even my husband. Mysteriously. Yeah. Because you kept it secret. Of course. So is this that kind of thing? No, no, Are no. Are you just telling me, look, that ain't happening no, and it's no, going to no, happen? No, no, no. Really? Because for Destiny's Child, I think it's a nostalgic thing for so many people, including 20 myself. 20 years. Right. And it's, it's such a good time uh, in the world, in music. There was just a, an, a, a magical moment, and I know everybody wants that. The good thing is that the ladies are great friends. And they do magical things together. We saw that on Coachella. the Super Bowl. We saw Coachella. Right. So I'm not, I'm a fan too. I'm going, hurry up, hurry up. But just the announcement that came out or wherever that came from, this is what I'm going to say, Maurice. When the announcement's contact on the press release says Yvette Noel Shore or Matthew Knowles, you're going to know it's true. Other than that, other it's, than that, it's not happening. It's, it's it's everybody wanting something very special, and trust me, I want it too. And I'm thinking we're going to break some news here. <laughs> it's not happening. No, not no. today. But it doesn't that's mean so, that it's never going to happen. That's so disappointing. I have nothing else. I have no further questions. We're done. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap it Sorry, up right ladies. here. Sorry, oh ladies. my god! You know, don't forget. You know, there there are the fans of Destiny's Child. Yes. Four, and then there are the fans of Destiny's Child three. Yes. Right, and so I think. Yes honestly and professionally for that to happen i think there's a lot of schedules to put together because i really believe that all the fans want to see all the versions of True. destiny's child yeah True. so it's going to take a minute because now now we're also talking about women not young young girls anymore we're uh. talking about women with lives who are moms and wives and you know so it, it take, it's going to take a minute but uh I'm the number one fan of Destiny's Child, and I'm pushing too. So when it happens, you'll be deeply involved in the logistics of it or simply telling the world? I'll probably just be telling the world. <laughs> I think I'll just be telling the world. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. if you were to tell, you talked about this girl from Grenada. Yeah. If you were to tell this girl from Grenada that you would be hanging out with the biggest superstar in the world, the biggest stars in the world, doing what you do, what, what would you, you know, what what would you tell that child? I would have never told her that. I would not even even know how to dream that wide. You know, dreaming big is easy for Caribbean people. That's what we do. We believe that there's a bigger world out there, and we believe that we need to go and conquer that world and come back and make our islands better. But to dream wide is what I call dreaming out of your mind, like imagining things that could never happen. So I would have never thought my life would be what it is and I would never never think back then that the catalyst mm -hmm. for my journeys around the world would be this young girl that was part of this amazing group from a city that I never heard of you know I mean when I first came to Houston? America yeah Houston never was, heard of Houston no but I'm saying Houston was not the city that anybody talked about for, for Texas when I was in Grenada not on your radar we talked about Dallas, you know, but right. Houston, I was like, Houston? So to then learn about Houston and then to find out that that's where it was the nucleus for Destiny's Child, I had all the wrong ideas. I thought Houston was going to look like Dallas. I thought it was going to remind me of the old Dallas show. Right. And I got to Houston and I was like, wow, this is a really cosmopolitan city and uh, no cowboys running around, you know, uh, for me to see anyhow there and I was like okay get that out of your head like this is a really different place and when I met them uh four of them at that time I just thought wow there's so much talent here I'll tell you this story I was staying in a hotel a beautiful hotel I can't remember the name and I invited them to come to the hotel so I can sit and talk to them and just try to get to know them I had come from 
Blackbeat magazine before right. I went to Sony and I had my my journalistic integrity here. Like right, I need right, to right. know everything. And uh, sat down to sort of do an interview with them to find out what each girl brought to the table. Because when I was at Blackbeat and we were covering uh, like New Edition and New Kids on the Block, what was important to the fans was to know little things about each one. So that's what I wanted to do. Right. And I sat with them and they sang Amazing Grace to really? me. Really? Acapella? Yeah. On a couch? Just sitting here like this? Just sitting. Actually, we were on the floor. We just sat on the floor in sat the hotel the room. Yeah. Okay. Sat on the floor. I ordered chocolate covered strawberries and these four young ladies sang and I said, wow, okay. And in Are that- Are you just saying that in retrospect or is it at the no, moment no, you really were blown away? No, no. At that moment, I said, this is, in fact, um, Beyonce in particular, uh, she still does it today. She looks you deep in your eyes when she's talking to you. Like this, this is who matters, that person in front of me. And she has also perfected how to make an audience member in a stadium of 80,000 people feel that same connection. Really? And I felt it then. And I remember after that first meeting calling Miss Tina, now Miss Tina knows Lawson's, her mom and saying to her, your daughter, she was 14, your daughter looks me right in the eye. Where does that come from? And she said, that's something that we have taught our children, that it's very important. People matter, and you need to be respectful and pay attention. And she still does that. There's there's so much to your story. I I could go a million different ways. But let me <laughs> let me just kind of go with the present, and we'll go back to the past. Right? Okay. The present. What's your day to day like right now? I know right now you ran in here. You got to run out. You got to call. <laughs> you just got off a plane from Italy. Yeah. You're posting pictures about this fabulous time. What is your yes. What's your day to day? What What is the job? People say publicist. What do you, What do you do? What's that uh, mean? My that day mean? is really really full, and it's very. Um, it's never the same thing. It's never the same thing. So let me explain that when I worked with Destiny's Child and Mariah and John, I worked for, for Sony Music, Columbia Records. I was a regular publicist, then I became the head of the department, and then I became a senior VP. Now I co-founded my own company. So b- besides Beyonce and Chloe and Hallie, I have clients that have nothing to do with Sony Music and nothing to do with Parkwood Entertainment, which is Beyonce's company. So I have many, many hats and many, many flip-flops to run around the city with different people at different times. To, to handle their publicity. To handle their publicity. Their media appearances and etc. Media appearances, you know, certain events, uh, their philanthropic work, um, particularly with Beyonce. We do... Um, uh, be good, but I also do some work with care. I do that with Michelle Williams. So mm-hmm. I never quite know where my day is going to take me, even though I'm a, I'm a person who always has pen and paper. I write everything down. I do not trust that I will remember everything. So I I'm anal. I write in black and I cross out in red. Really? Yes. And I, like I that. that's how I that's how I stay on top of paying attention to all of my clients. Details. One of the things that I do uh, deliberately is that I am not trying to have the biggest PR firm in the world. I want to keep my firm a boutique firm because I want to be there for the artists. I want to pay attention to them. I have people who work for me. And uh, I have to make sure that those clients are really comfortable with that person. A lot of them I stole from Sony from back in the day. Wow. Um, but uh, but what it's, are the it's needs? never the same. It's never the same. A different client wants different things. You what know? are the needs? What do they need? Um, they call you. They just need an ear. Do they need to cry? Do they need to advise? All of the above. Yeah. Um, so I've become a little bit of a auntie <laughs> to everybody. Uh-huh. So apart from calling the outlets and placing st- the stories usually uh, connected with an album release, a movie release, mm-hmm. an event, uh, a water crisis we're doing in East Africa, whatever it is. Um, apart from that, I'm also here to say that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Strategy. Should do that? Yeah, right. yeah, it's a strategize. Um, some of my clients have become very personal with uh, in terms of being in their lives for a long time. So 
we have really deep conversations about what the heck is happening in the world you know how how can we how can we change that how could we how could we inform young people who look like us mm-hmm. uh to come into their power and be it voting be it just using your voice be it standing up for what you believe in saying no and really meaning no saying yes and going ahead with it knowing that nothing comes to you without hard work so i'm always i'm always in those conversations with my clients uh, whether it's us talking or or us on um texting or but you even put out fires too right i put out a lot of fires and i I stop people from making a fool of themselves true True. (laughs) you know there was the one where beyonce was sitting courtside yes at the what was it the warriors game and the owner of the warriors his wife is reaching over to communicate with jay-z and beyonce sitting right there yeah literally to ask ask if they wanted lemon as in, in their, their drink, water. Right? <laughs> yeah. And Beyonce has an expression on her face that the world interprets to mean that she's telling this woman to stay away from her man. Right. Right. Which and is so the so internet untrue. goes nuts. So people think they're seeing something and then you step in. I had to. What did you have to say? Well, you know, it's one thing for you to be a super fan and say, um, I don't like the way I, I, I'm assuming you disrespected somebody I love. And, you know, and then after about 24 hours, that goes away. But this thing kept going and going and going and <laughs> going. And then it became, well, we don't know who this woman is. We don't like her. And we're going to not only threaten her life, we're going to encourage her to take her own life. But it let's, let's it just became this. crazy. This is the wife of the owner. Who invited uh, the couple. Carters. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I made a decision as a human being first, uh, as a publicist second. This was really not how, that's not how we roll at all. Right. And if you're doing it in the name of, of my clients, that is not how she rolls. And so I was like, okay, 24 hours, 48 hours? 72. Oh, 72? <laughs> We're close to 96? Oh, no, no, no. So you we, had to say something. Yeah, I had to say What'd something. You, say? you know, I, I am always a mom first, so I always lead with love. And I acknowledge their love for her. And I acknowledge that we love them. Uh, not just her, but our entire camp. Right. We, we, uh, we love the Beehive. They're, they're the most loyal fans. Right. However. But I also, <laughs> I also had to scold them in true Caribbean woman fashion that you cannot mix love and hate. Right. It's oil and water. Right. That doesn't work. So and people need to step back. you cannot do it in her name. Yeah. You need to step back. Yeah. And uh, a few of them came for me. That's crazy. And I did not turn off my comments right. i didn't i didn't cower i didn't hide i just posted and i moved on i had to cook dinner that <laughs> night i had laundry to do <laughs> i had to spend the day with my grandchild like i had things to do this is what needed to be done right and i think truthfully i'm the only one that could have done it because i don't i don't think that they would have listened to anybody else honestly you know, even though some of them cursed me out, I just feel like it needed to be said. Uh, only because I think I have, I have that history. Right. And you also have superior people skills. Oh. You really do. I watch I you. I'm just listening that. to you. And, and only the, the few minutes that we've been chatting, I'm like, wow. Because you diffuse something very, very ridiculous. But it could have gotten serious. It could have gotten very right? serious. But, that's, but, yeah. but to have these superior people skills is what has you where you are. Well, thank you to Papa from Grenada. I'm just saying. <laughs> right. That's and and, and that's you. where it starts. Yeah, that's I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. The, the beginnings in Grenada. Mm-hmm. Your, your mom struggled with mental illness. Struggled. Struggled. Right? Yeah. And so your grandfather and your dad, right? Yep. Spent most of the time raising you. Yeah. And, and from them, you learned a lot. So much. Right. I, I give my grandfather so much credit for being a feminist. And I say that everywhere I go. He was the first feminist I've ever met. Meaning Didn't what? He just believed that whatever my brothers could do, I should do it too. And at least I should attempt to. So when I was growing up, women were driven 
your husband got in the front. I never saw my grandmother in the front of the car. Sat in the back? She sat in the back. She was driven. Really? My uncle or, or some other male figure went in the front with my grandfather. But This my, is the 70s. This was, well, I, I was born in 61. So, okay. like, I guess 69, 60, you know, 70. Like, I... The wife sitting in I, the back. No, but, it, but, but she was proud to. Okay. She had her hat on. She was being chauffeured. She was being chauffeured. Okay. It wasn't that she, that you know. Bad. Yeah, and <laughs> so, but my it. grandfather with me said, I think you need to know how to drive. Mm. I think you, because you are a smart young lady, you know, and he really pushed me. I remember him bringing me into his little shop. Of course, I thought it was a supermarket, but when you go back home and you visit, you realize that it's really a d- bodega. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like the biggest shop I've ever seen. And I grew up in that shop. And I remember him lifting me up on the counter of the shop and collecting all of the sweet drinks bottles, like the Coca-Cola bottles Mm -hmm. and stuff, the tops of it, and making a diagram on the counter for me to learn how to count because we didn't have a cash register. And when people came to the store, they came with a list. And we filled the list. So next to the item, you had to put the cost of the item. And at the end of filling a list of 30 things, you had to now count one column at a time without a cash register. Wow. So he had to teach me to count seven and eight and nine and two and four and six and seven and get the right number. With bottle caps. Yeah. Like an abacus. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So he he just really, really pushed me. Uh, There was a time that. My grandfather gave me a, a brown paper bag and put me on the bus and sent me down to the market and told me to give it to the to Mr. Bola who what was, was in the um, bag? was money. Cash. Yeah. I never opened it until Mr. Bola did. He trusted you. He trusted me. It was to buy the groceries for our store, right. for our village. I was, whoa, I'm buying food for the entire village. This is great. Because at the time my grandfather was one of three merchants that had stores that especially the older people didn't have to go all the way to the market they could so he wanted to bring everything from the town to them and I was a part mm-hmm. of all those conversations mm-hmm. I just when people believe in you you have to work hard because right. it would have been detrimental for me to think about disappointing my grandfather wow. what did you learn about people from him about dealing with people be patient and reach them where they are. Ah, did he say that or did no. he do it by example? By example. You just saw it? I just saw it. You figured it out? He, he, he was a very proud man, had his store, had his farm where he picked bananas, green, green bananas <laughs> for shipping to England, right. cocoa and nutmeg. He could have lived on that. He paid all our school fees on that. But yet still on Thursdays, he put on a white shirt, the sort of Cuban shirt. We call them shirt jacks. They have the pocket here, the pocket here, the pocket here, the pocket here. Mm-hmm. Put on some black pants, some shades, spruced up his car, put the trucks in the garage, used his car, went down to the airport and picked up the tourists to give them an island tour. Really? Because it was very important to him that they understood what Grenada was, that it wasn't just beaches, that it was people like him up in the mountains that kept the economy going. I watched all of that. So this was a side job? It was a side job. He had a side job, even though he was a well, you know, he was a man that was doing well Mm -hmm. from his farm and from his shop. Mm -hmm. But he had a side job because the history of Grenada was important to him to tell. He was a talker kind of took a little bit of that from him too you're your grandfather's girl he would just tell yeah i um i loved him i loved him and he was not um a demonstrator of love he wasn't gonna hug you and mess up your hair and stuff like that he just loved you and he did all the things he had to do for you and as i got older i realized Yes, my grandfather loved us, but he loved his daughter, my mother, even more. Mm. And he wanted to step in Mm. and do for us what she was incapable of doing. And our dad was there, but our dad now had to 
do the extra work as the as the single parent really uh, while my mom was uh, nursing what at the time we didn't know what what it was but it uh, it was uh, mental illness it was uh, bipolar extremely difficult uh, very difficult and very difficult in the Caribbean at that time when it wasn't spoken about who that crazy lady over there <laughs> yeah. you know and same then, here by the way and then you find yeah. out that that's your mom and you're yeah. just like wait did that calypsonian just try to make a song about that crazy lady in the river but that's my mom oh no and i think immediately um didn't have the education then enough to sort of uh analyze what that was but i knew that feeling uh of activism um, rose in me to make sure I became that person that spoke up for my, for my mom. Right. And so when I came to America, specifically to Brooklyn. You, you came here at 14. 14. Well, why'd you come here? How did that, how did that uh, work out? Well, uh, I am part of that um, Caribbean tradition of parents traveling to America and then sending for their children. Yes. In our case... Um, my mom came first and she didn't come out of need for a better life because as I described to you her, her dad was taking really good care of her and us um, and we were happy with what we had in our shop in our garden but she came because she was sick and Papa knew that she could get help in America so he sent her to America to get help but what she discovered was that as an immigrant with a very thick accent, things get lost in translation. So she, didn't, she wasn't given the respect or the patience needed to properly diagnose her. And my mom became, I want to say, a sort of test project. Um, she was given medication based on what her symptoms were that day as opposed to somebody really digging into what the causes are, mm. where the depression was coming from, what makes her high, what makes her low. Um, and it took me, naive, but showing a lot of passion and love, to really go into that system and say, why don't we test other medicines on mommy? Because when I went to visit her, after she took Thorazine or whatever it is you gave her, she didn't even know who I was. Within half an hour, she was sleepy and would sleep for like a day. Oh, my God. Something is just not right. What an ordeal. You're it a was, kid. Yeah, and I, you, you know, I was or? 14, and then I, did, I visited my mom in mental institutions, uh, the G building at Kings County Hospital specifically, pretty much almost every day for four years. <laughs> All of high school? Um, in high school, yeah. There were moments of six months she'd be home, but then she'd be gone for a year in right. that hospital. Right. And people, uh, like years later, they asked me to be a keynote speaker at a reunion for Erasmus, and I finally broke down and said, uh, I just want to explain to you why I ran from school every single day, wow. why I never joined any club, why everybody thought I was a selfish girl but smart. It's because I had true responsibilities. The you G sure building did. was calling me. And you you're know? here in a foreign country. Yeah. Talk about that. You're, yeah. you're a, a kid again, right? Yeah. With a thick accent. Yes. And with a, a certain naivete about yes. the big city. Yeah. Right? You don't know how to, how to handle yourself. What did was that not. like? Were you confronted with, with race issues um, and with, you know, all these other cultural race issues? Race and bullying. Yeah. Or, you know, race, race in that sort of prejudiced way and then the bullying the way people just mentally uh bully you in school and the accent was really thick <laughs> it was really thick right you don't even know uh, the names of the streets just yet no. and all this stuff is coming at you it was terrible and also i came in the winter with my with my sandals <laughs> and oh. my little white lace dress because mama know. wanted me to look so good but it wasn't right for the winter <laughs> and then daddy no nothing against men because men make really good parents but um <laughs> At the go. time, my dad just didn't understand that, um, you know, in December, you probably need a heavier coat for mm. your daughter. So I was freezing. Mm. And, you know, that Pan Am jet was cold. That's a and tough start. that little taxi man that he had waiting for us to bring us to 836 Utica Avenue was just like I was freezing in the car. Oh. Um, it was just difficult. It was difficult. Right. But you know what? 
every time I got to that place where I felt I couldn't cope anymore, that this is a lot, why did they bring us here? I would just get on the phone and I would call mama and papa and they would just um, say the things they've always said. Make the most out of where you are, child. <laughs> yeah, so. It'll be better. It will be better. Yes, it yeah. will. And yeah. so you go through high school and somewhere along the line you decide to become a journalist. Yes. Why? why? Well, that came early. That came why? in Grenada. Um, I didn't know what a journalist was, but I wanted to be the person whose name started with B-Y. <laughs> oh, on the byline, you mean? Yes. Really? Yes. So, so you I want to see your name in the paper? Yes. I, I, really? I had a little newspaper route, uh -huh. and I would get a red pen from my grandfather's shop, and I would sit under the coconut tree or a mango tree, whatever was in season, mm -hmm. and I would edit all the papers before I delivered it to edit. my neighborhood. Edit, like really edit. Didn't know what edit meant, Paper but I knew. It wasn't edited already? Or? Well, I found a little mistake, ah, so I... Uh, typo. <laughs> a little typo, yeah. so I would fix that, and then, mm -hmm. and then like the next day or so, um, the people would come to the shop and say to Papa, um, you need to tell your granddaughter that I want to read my paper without the red pen on it. <laughs> Papa would just laugh, like, what are you doing to the people's paper? You were you know? selling it marked yeah, up. Yeah, I would go, I'd give it to them after I edit, because it, like, a, a period would be missing True. or a comma or whatever. You're you performing know? a service. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't know that I wanted to be a journalist, but I was doing the things that was leading to that, and then sure. I started reading in the church basically I just love words I loved books my grandfather refused to buy a television never saw television until I went to Barbados for wow. our visa to come to America and my wow. brother and I were like oh my god a smaller screen oh because we went to the movies before right. oh my god wow and then we would go to the movies and we would look for mommy in the background of movies that we knew were filmed in New York wow would say, do you think mommy, I, I never knew that, you know, all these people in the background were planted. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess sometimes they just film, but yeah. I just thought mommy would be w walking across the Extras screen. Yeah, we were like, ah, that's mommy, wow. you know. Yeah, but um, I knew I wanted to be a journalist. From a, yeah, from a young age. From so a then how do, you get, how do you get into it to start? You study. You no, study. No, how did you, how did you personally? Well, I, <laughs> I, I got an idea. <laughs> I well, I, I, went to, <laughs> I went to Erasmus Hall at high school, and I was determined to take... Um, English classes and I, I wanted to take a, a type class, a typewritten class and mm. I remember going and asking them to give me like a typing class and they were like why and I said because I want to be a journalist and every time I see 60 minutes they're typing, they're typing so right. I think I have to type you know and they never wow. gave me a typing class so, wow. I, so I was terrible when I finally got my typewriter. I was just doing the one finger thing because that's what I saw. That's a real journalist, by the way, one finger. Yeah, exactly. That's old school. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then I, after Erasmus, I went to City College and I, I enrolled in their journalism classes and someone suggested that I take a public relations class because they said, um, if you're going to be a journalist, you're probably going to get, you, you have to come into contact with publicists at some day. I'm like, who are they and what do they do? <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, like, who are they? So I took a PR class, never intending to wow. use it, and uh, took history of journalism and print journalism mm -hmm. and broadcast, and I did little documentaries. Uh, I did one called The Gentrification of Harlem. Wow. Um, and did all that stuff and was really ready to be a journalist, wrote for my, for my church paper, mm -hmm. wrote just really um, went to, like, the the – journalism professors to ask about what they knew about internships mm -hmm. like is a village voice need somebody right. cbs needs somebody like right. i was always interested i was just i that's what i wanted to do wow yeah and I so just, you did it i did you did do it i did i got hired i got hired at blackbeat magazine and i did that for about 10 years is that still around by the way uh only online that's what only online yeah so yeah. the idea is to cover pop culture Pop culture. You didn't want to cover City Hall? You didn't want to cover news? And I wanted to do news. I wanted to go to war. I wanted war. to go to war. I Vietnam? wanted to be... No, where are we No, I wanted, is, um, Well, this would have been... When I first 80? came to this country, it was mm -hmm. Gerald Ford was coming in. So there was something wow. brewing, uh, and I wanted to go to the Middle East. I was like, I could be a journalist in the Middle East. Wow. And then the first real newsroom I went to 
there was like the ticker coming through and it was like a crime story like someone had died and a bulletin i was like oh oh i don't want to do that you didn't like that <laughs> no i don't want to no really? that's i realized that i i'm 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 a passionate person but i'm an extremely sensitive person and i was just like oh i can't do that i yeah. can't do that and i swear to you probably the next day i got a call from a friend of mine, Robin Guilford, we went to City College together, uh -huh. and she said, I work for this company called Sterling McFadden Magazines, and they are acquiring Blackfeet, they're, they're acquiring Ride On Magazine, mm -hmm. uh, but they have Blackbeat Magazine. I said, I don't want to work for Blackbeat, I want to work for Ride On. <laughs> and she said, no, well, they're looking for an editor for Blackbeat. Wow. And I went in, and I got hired on the spot, and I was really upset with that. Because I said, sir, I stayed up all night. I put all my little writing samples together. You need to sit and look at my writing samples. Wow. And you need to give me an editing test. And he looked at me like, who are you? I told you you're hired. <laughs> got the job. Uh, you got the job. What so are you, you arguing me about? So you're covering entertainment. Yes. You're covering pop culture. Pop culture. African-American pop culture. Yes. And yes. then you come in contact with Mariah Carey. I did. This is like the moment in your career. You don't even realize it. It changed everything, and I it didn't did. even know it. Um, so, so what happened, I was sitting in my office. The next day, we would be shipping the book, and I realized I have a page open. Not a whole page, but um, like a half page that would be great for a review. So I'm like, oh, Mariah's album. I searched, searched, searched. I don't have the album. The advance is what we called it at that time. And so I called... Uh, Columbia Records, Larry Jenkins, uh, who I had known uh, from before, and he had just left Capitol Records and went to Columbia, and I said, I don't have Mariah's album, and I have some space. I can listen today, I can review it and put it in. And he said, oh, we haven't sent it out yet. And I said, yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have, Larry. Come on, go check with your staff, you know? And he said, Yvette, you have so much passion in your voice. You sure you want to keep writing for that magazine that's not paying you anything you no. don't want to be a publicist i'm like i don't want to be a publicist i want to review mariah carey's album you're being earnest and I, honest yes, here right. yes and so we hang up the phone he calls me back he said i need you to come up to, to columbia i want to talk to you i said do me a favor send me the album i'll listen to it i'll do my review and then i'll come up to see you and that's what he did really and columbia sent a car I got in the car, I went up to see Larry, and Larry said, I've been doing this search for a publicist, and I've never thought that a music journalist would be the right move, but I think you're the right move, you're hired. I'm like, Larry, no, 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 no. I'm married, I have to talk to my husband, I, I, no, no, I don't, no, not yet, hold on. What'd you think of and, that? Um, you think that was for real? I thought he was joking with me, yeah. right? And then, I, then I, I blurted out to him. I said, I don't want to be a publicist, truly. Every publicist I met, they're crazy. They, <laughs> they are on power trips. They invite you to stuff. You get there. They tell you the list is closed. I can't be that mean. I cannot do it. <laughs> that stuff's true, by the way. It's true. <laughs> I've changed that, hopefully. Yes. And um, he said, uh, Yvette, the job is yours. And then I called David, my husband, and I said, Larry's crazy. He just hired me. He said, try it. If it doesn't work. So what? You'll get something else. Wow. And wow. even though I took the job, two things. Didn't know what I'd be working. Didn't know what Larry was paying me. <laughs> Got down to the building, to the um, Sony uh, lobby, and the phone rang. And the guard said, Larry Jenkins is on the phone for you. I said, I just left him. I said, hey. He said, you didn't ask how much you going to make. You that didn't. must mean you really want this job. I said, oh, my God. Wow. I said, okay, well, just tell me. He said, we're going to start you out at 65000 The phone Whoa. fell from me. Um, this was 1993. That's a lot of money. I was making $31,000 at, at Blackbeat Magazine. Wow. I just got a double raise. You sure did. I, I, but I'm trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool. Did you ask for more? No. You should have. You could no, have. No, I, and I could have. How about have, 80? And I didn't, Give right? Give me 90. But then, you know, Sony was very good to me. By the time yeah. I left Sony, I, I, had this, I had the kind of salary that made me, made my Caribbean guilt resurface. <laughs> you know what that is. You were comfortable now. Yeah, but I also felt that there were people right. that I knew in right. my family that were 
not delivering babies yeah. and working hard and that weren't making that kind of money and I felt guilty. People felt doing really far guilty. more important stuff. Yeah. Right? And I was like, I'm I'm right. pitching people like what? Like my, my aunt is in the cold. Right. Like in the snow right. to go deliver a baby in Brooklyn. What am I doing? You know, so right. And then I got over it. You did? Yeah. Then I got over it because I was like, I work really hard. You do. Yeah. Jay-Z says, you know, how can I help the poor if I'm one of them? It's very true. That's pretty profound. It's very true. Right? There's a good it's reason very, to keep true. working hard right there. It's a, yeah. Well, it's been a good reason for me because I have I, I believe in giving back. And uh, yeah. Grenada is where I start with my charity. Right. And, um, you know, particularly with education, I really right. try to um, do a few scholarships for for the school TA Mara show and um, in fact I, I I sort of owe uh, my next payment to them I think it's really important that we give back and the thing about it is that you know like colleges like TA Mara show in Grenada and any other college that comes under the University of the West Indies it's really so not expensive compared to oh no what we pay for right, in America but, but we digress here yeah let's, let's keep the climb going yes all right so you got Mariah I got Mariah. You're you're seeing the world now. You're it's in Mariah. It's crazy Mariah's. that I got Mariah. Right. You're you're now the world is opened up to you. Yep. And you ju- it must have blown your mind. Completely. So we we used to call it the Sony breakdown, uh, because after you get to the Sony Tower and you realize that you're on the 24 to 26th floor and literally you're on top of the world, right. then they add the biggest star <laughs> in the world on your plate and the pressure mounts and uh, you're like oh it's okay you're going to go through the Sony breakdown and then you'll get over it <laughs> well, what, is, what does that mean pressure when it comes to dealing with Mariah you've well, got all these different things Mariah she has I mean, a lot she's of facets. still a big star but right. in 93 when she was on her I want to say maybe third album I mean no one had seen or heard somebody like Mariah in ages. Everyone wants a piece of her. Yeah, yeah. And she has to deal with it emotionally. She has to deal with it emotionally. That voice was insane. Uh, the comparisons to uh, one of her idols and who became her friend, uh, Whitney Houston, was coming. So that was a lot of pressure. Um, no one was really talking about who is biracial and who's not. And she came out and said, I am biracial. And people, the black people were like, wait, what? And white people are like, what? You know, so that was a little bit of a pressure situation. And then I'm going to Mr. Johnson at uh, Ebony and saying, I I want you to put Mariah Carey on the cover. And he wants to put Mariah Carey on the cover. But he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, so that took, you know, yeah. 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 And her personal life. Right. And then her That's personal all life. Over she's, the place. She, I mean, she's she's married to <laughs> she's married to the big boss at Sony. So right. everyone wants to write you know stories about yes, that. Yes, about that. And I'm I'm sort of serving two gods in a way because right. I want this young girl to um, to do really well and right. for the media to love her. Right. But I also want to please the big boss and make sure we're doing the right thing. And right. that was a lot. It was a lot. But um, but you grew. Oh, we, I grew, and I, I thank Mariah. I, I, I always say I cut my teeth, my publicity teeth on Mariah, because she really taught me um, to be a publicist. Yeah. She really taught me to be a publicist, because in a world for Mariah, in 1993 and beyond, where we could get everything and anything we wanted for her, at her young age, she exercised the art of pulling back. Mm. that we don't really have to do everything. That's interesting. That the performance, the voice was so important. Let's really concentrate on those big performances. We did some really huge performances on television, and it just taught me how to be a strategist. Yeah, and that sounds very similar to what, well, it prepared Beyonce me. Does it prepared today. me for all those years later, right? Right. To, uh, because today, Beyonce, to work with Beyonce, she's a woman of few words publicly. We don't hear much. Well, but when, when we when do, you do, it's so it, good. It means everything, <laughs> it right? Yeah. It's, and that's a strategy. Yeah. It is a strategy. That's your, but I believe that. Um, I truly believe that Beyonce speaks very loudly in her art. Oh yeah. And um, I, I, I believe that um, you know, particularly w- with this current. Uh, album that is not necessarily a Beyonce album. It's various artists, but she produced it. Right. Um, 
the You're reaction, about Lion King. the Lion King, the right. gift, um, the reaction to young people around the world to some of those songs, in particular some of those lyrics that are so empowering. This is when I sit back and just smile and say, "It's working." Like really, you got this. You, yeah, it's like give, right. give, give people a chance to discover things at the same time. Um, and let them make up their minds whether it's relatable to them. Uh, that's an art, you know. And give her credit for deciding that Friday is a good day to put out albums. <laughs> <laughs> and to yeah. not even say if they're doing a Destiny's Child <laughs> no <time> concert <laughs> tour in 2020. No, no, no time one's time saying to. anything. What's mm. going to happen is they're just going to show up somewhere, no, no, do no. a pop-up. No. And just blow us, blow us up. No. No, we can't do that. No. Yeah. No. Something so. like that, you know, that takes planning. You need big venues, you know, so that's going to take some time. And, and let's not forget, you know, I mean, Matthew Knowles has to be, you know, he's still, like, he's Destiny's Child's manager. Right. He has to sort of go out there and get the venues and do all those stuff right. and coordinate all those get ladies' the venues. schedules. They'll just bend over. Everyone will, will clear Not, their schedule. Oh, of course they yeah. will, but you know, people, you know, and I had to learn that uh, venues, uh, no, no one venue is for one thing, right? So it's, is it the season for football? Is it the season for basketball? Can you get this? And right. you know, so it takes some time. A lot of coordinating for right. tours. Yeah. What's your biggest life lesson? Hmm. I think my biggest life lesson uh well maybe two or three if you yeah have to. there's a lot uh it, it it came from something I said before, you know, and something that I fought early, you know, make the most of uh where you are uh and it doesn't mean sitting down and not striving to be better, but it means that if we all take care of where we are and do it well and everybody does it the world becomes a different place. It becomes a different place. And it means like your your children, your home life, all of that. I cannot do for any client if I don't first do for my personal life. Um, I have a life, my personal life, that is bigger, bigger than any stage I have ever been a publicist for, bigger than any event I have ever done, because it simply takes into mind who the real event is, the ha things that matter. Have the you most. ever canceled a work thing? Absolutely. For the family. Absolutely. M many times. Many times. Like turn down what seemed like a big opportunity because your child is sick or because your child needs you. Or Absolutely. This or that. And the the incredible thing about having started my career with the artist that I've started my career with, Mariah was young. Uh, her mom was very involved. Destiny's child were young. Parents were very involved. I started working with people who understood family, who understood the importance of family and the obligations to family. The ladies of Destiny's Child used to tease me all the time. They used to mouth it to me at the end of a, a fashion shoot or an interview day. I would simply say to them, I'm going home to my babies. <laughs> So at the end, you know, when you're on a set and someone says rap, you would see Michelle, Kelly, and Beyonce all look at me and said, go home to your babies. <laughs> you know, because it, they, 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 they knew how important that was. Right. Um, you can't make up the time with your children. Right. One time I was at Sony and I was in a meeting and the meeting kept going and going and going. I was like... Oh my God, my daughter has a recital. She has a recital. I've got to go. I've got to go. And then when I finally got out of there, thank God for subways, I got on the subway straight to Greenwich Village. I walked in and she was just coming and I saw her do this. <sighs> yes. Because yes. she came yes. and she was like, I see daddy. Uh, where's mommy? Right. Yeah, you can't make those You up. can't miss that. No, you can't miss those. Absolutely. Yeah. Family's too important. It's everything. Yeah. And you just have to be honest with the people that you work with. Yeah. They have to know who you are, what you're made of. And if they don't understand? I have to leave. Yeah. I have to leave. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I've been around long enough to see 
the little girls grow up to be women and um, successful, wonderful women that want to make a difference in the world and now understand the whisper of I have to go home to my babies. And to think you had a part of that. I like Play little that. Role. And it's a little role, but it was, uh, it was a good one. They showed me the world. Those four and then three black girls that turned into amazing black women gave me a ticket to see the world, to see culture, to taste different foods, to meet different people, to sit in the rooms with presidents and first ladies, to be a part of changing the narrative for young people and assured me a job for a very long time that afforded me the opportunity to take my own children around the world. Yeah. And what could be better than that? What could be better than that? Yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for you. For you coming you. in. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. I get to sit and talk to you. I, I you're an amazing journalist. Thank you. That's you too kind. are a fellow Caribbean national and you you really know your job. And uh, I am grateful that you have been a presence on the New York uh, news scene for quite some time. And too long. No, long time. not too long. Not too long. <laughs> uh, representation you. matters. You can't be what you can't see. Mm. And there are lots of young Caribbean people that want to be because you are. Oh, thank you. That's true. Thank you. It's very true. Can't thank you enough. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. I think we can get you out of here on time. Yeah. Right? I think so. Yeah. Right, like, right really? up against it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Time flew, man. That's